this time, I had a bit of a business identity crisis. I was over talking about speaking and I was over the speaking industry. And here I am having a podcast called The Rebel Speaker. I knew I couldn't quite go on with that name. Have you ever failed to start something simply because you were afraid that you'd want to change your message down the road? You know that you'll be the most successful if you can build your platform over time. You also know that your audience needs to hear your message over and over again before they ever take an action. So it's only natural to worry, will my podcast fail if I make a major content change? This is your host, Bridget Lyons, and today on Podcast Ally, I'm bringing you a conversation with someone who also works in messaging, and she rebranded her podcast and lived to tell the tale. Dr. Michelle Mazur is the host of the Rebel Rising podcast, the author of three books, including The Three-Word Rebellion. As a brand messaging host, Michelle teaches that having a clear and captivating message is the key to reaching the people you could help the most in a way that feels powerful and feels effortless. And yet Michelle reached a crossroads with her own podcast, where she knew that she had to rename and rebrand her show. In today's conversation, Michelle walked me through her decision to make the change, as well as the response she got back from her audience. I also got Michelle to talk about her tips with dealing with the pressure of feeling like your podcast has to be perfectly scripted, perfectly composed in order to be successful. That is definitely not Michelle's experience, which may come as a relief to you. I know it sure did for me. Let's dive in. Well, hello, Michelle. I want to start today by talking about the rebranding that you did for your podcast about a year and a half ago as we sit here recording today. So your podcast was originally named the Rebel Speaker Podcast, and you changed it to Rebel Rising. And at that time, you had told me you'd already been podcasting for about two years. And what I've always found so interesting about this rebrand is that you just changed one word. You changed speaker to rising. And I think that name change might look for like a small shift from somebody looking on the outside, but I know you and I know your brand. I've been following you really closely. And I know this was actually a massive moment for you. So I'd love to start by talking today about why you made the name change and what kind of effect it's had on your podcast. So would you start by giving us some context about what was your podcast originally about? So when it was Rebel Speaker and how the content itself changed when you rebranded to Rebel Rising. Yes. So when I originally kicked off the Rebel Speaker podcast, it was very well niched to speakers and speakers who wanted to be professional speakers, but who really didn't feel like they fit in with the speaking industry because, and I've talked about this for years because I don't like a lot of things that happen in the speaking industry. I'm not a huge fan of it. And there were so many people who were like me that they wanted to be a speaker, but do it on their own terms. And so uh, that was really the genesis of the Rebel Speaker podcast. And it complemented my business because my business was very much niched and focused on speakers and helping speakers develop keynote speeches that they can market and help them do their speaker marketing. During this time, I had a bit of a business 
identity crisis, you could say, in that I was over talking about speaking and I was over the speaking industry. And here I am having a podcast called The Rebel Speaker. I knew I couldn't quite go on with that name. And I was shifting the business to focus more on brand messaging and positioning and persuasion. And I just felt so pinned in with having a podcast called The Rebel Speaker. And and I didn't want to talk about speaking anymore. <laughs> So even though I was just changing the name from Rebel Speaker to Rebel Rising, it was this huge shift because, you know, even though everybody tells you in business, like, always niche, you should be niching down. I was actually doing the exact opposite and shifting to a name that allowed me to talk about a broad range of of topics and ideas and not just focus on the speaking industry. I can now talk about messaging and business and have a wide variety of guests on the show. So it was a rather large pivot for the podcast, for my business, and for how I was thinking about the business. Yeah. And, you know, I'm curious about this because you changed the name of the podcast to Rebel Rising. And then about a half year later, you released your book, Three Word Rebellion. And so did you know you were going to write that book before you changed the name of the podcast? Did the book somehow come out of what you were doing with the podcast or your clients? Like, I'm just curious about how those interplayed together. Yes. So, It was interesting because the book was actually born, well, the idea of the three-word rebellion, which was all about a methodology for creating this one-of-a-kind message, like a start with why or a five-second rule, that came about six months before the name change of the podcast. And that came about when I reached a breaking point with the podcast where I was just like, I can't talk about speaking anymore because I had wrapped up the season of the Rebel Speaker podcast. And I hung up my microphone and I was just like, I can't do this. Like, I cannot talk about finding speaking gigs, booking speaking gigs, creating speeches. I'd been doing that for like five years at this point, whether it was creating blog posts or creating podcasts or going on other people's podcasts or standing on stages and talking about this. And I just felt like I was one Google search away from being replaced. And that's never a great place to be in your business. And so at that point, you know, the three-word rebellion idea came through and I'd been talking a lot. I mean, all through my career, I'd been talking about some of the concepts that make up the three-word rebellion framework. But for some reason at this point, they all gelled together and the name came about and I was like, oh, this is where my business is going. And then I have this podcast called The Rebel Speaker. And and I didn't know exactly what I was going to do with the podcast because at first I was like, all right, I'm not changing anything because I didn't know if this three-word rebellion thing was going to work, right? (laughs) Because it's this untested concept that I felt like was just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, So I wanted to test that for about 
you know, six months, see what people thought. Is this viable? Create an offer around it. Could I sell it? And then that following summer, um, that's when I was like, okay, I've got to change the name of this podcast and to reflect where the business is, where the, yeah, where my business is going. So the three word rebellion came first. And then it was like, okay, let's test this, make sure it's viable. And then I realized, okay, the podcast really needs to change so I can broaden more and talk about the topics I really want to be talking about. Because if I'm always just talking to speakers, I'm going to be stuck just talking to those people when I'm missing a whole universe of people who might really need this message. And I didn't want to limit myself or the three-word rebellion in that way. Yeah. It sounds like it was a decision that took stages to get there, but maybe not actually that hard at the end of the day. Like when it was finally time to make the change, was it hard to pull that trigger? Did you feel freaked out? Like, am I going to lose my audience or were you just excited and energized? Oh, I was excited and energized because I knew it was like one of those things, like when you need to pivot your business and the name of your podcast, you just kind of know that that needs to happen. And I think because I was talking about the three-word rebellion for so long, because I was talking about it on the podcast, like it wasn't a surprise to my audience at all that all of a sudden they woke up one day and the podcast had a new name. They were like, oh, this totally makes sense. <laughs> We've been listening and following along and thought that the name didn't fit anymore. And so, yeah, it just, was this natural progression. And really, I think the hardest part was figuring out what the new name was going to be. But it, it felt like I had been trying to, it just didn't, like, I felt like I had outgrown it long before I changed the name. So it was this excitement when I finally got to relaunch it under a new name and people really loved it. And no, like, no one was surprised by it. You know, I don't know if you've ever thought about this question before, probably, but do you think you would have come up with Three Word Rebellion or made that messaging shift in your business if? the podcast and it pushed you to a place where you just like couldn't do the same thing anymore? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think I needed the podcast to push me to that point because when you have to show up every single month and talk about something and you realize that you are just done talking about that thing, like, I felt like I said everything I needed to say on the topic of public speaking and professional speaking, and I had nothing left to give on the topic, like literally nothing left to give. Like when I thought about like, what am I going to say? Because this happened during the Christmas holiday, and I was just like, what am I going to say come January? Like literally, what am I going to do to bring this podcast back? I have nothing to say. Well, and I also think that knowing your business and your message and your content, as long as I have, this just feels so natural. Like we, we had worked together before and you had said to me, you know, that you didn't want to be out there 
necessarily teaching people how to get speaking gigs or that people were asking you to do that kind of outreach for them. And you just weren't interested in that. You were really only interested or not only, but primarily interested in the messaging. And so this feels like you kind of coming home to that thing that made you the most excited. And I find it really interesting. Like you talk about broadening your subject matter in this way, but I don't actually necessarily see it as being more broad. I just see it as being a very different, super narrow focus (laughs) Um, where the audience is a little bit different. And you had a podcast episode where you kind of talk about the change in how you saw your audience and the stage that they were at. So you shared this framework from Charlie Gilkey, and I, I can't remember the name of the book that you were referencing, but it was about the different stages of business you were in. And you realized that the people you were working with, with the three-word rebellion, were at the stage where they had kind of figured things out and they were looking to kind of broaden out beyond that. And kind of, it was beyond the like, I'm not just trying to survive or test my model, but I really want to make this big impact. And it just feels like, that in itself, though, the things you're talking about, Three World Rebellion and the content that you have on your podcast, it still is very focused. Like, I think that it still feels really niched. It's just the niche feels shifted kind of to the side to me. Yeah, it's yeah, because my focus when I was always working with people was always about the messaging. Like, how is this going to be received? Like when I was working with speakers, it was like, all right, so if I'm listening to this keynote speech and I'm in the audience and I'm this type of person, how am I receiving this message? Or even if I was working with people on their marketing and their pitch, I was like, if I'm getting this in my inbox, how am I receiving this? Like, am I gonna be open to this? Is this shutting me down? Am I gonna pay attention to this? And it's I'm doing the same thing now, but now I'm doing it for businesses who really want to reach more people to solve more interesting and complex problems with their with their thought leadership with their what their business is doing so i get to do that on like a whole different level and so yeah it's still really like my work is still really focused and I get to do what I'm brilliant at in in a whole different level, but it feels like I can have that conversation in so many different industries, which makes it like, it feels like it's a broader conversation because I get asked all the time, like, oh, well, what industry do you specialize in? And I'm like, I don't. I've worked with everyone from veterinarians to brick and mortar gyms to coaches and consultants. Like, I I don't really specialize in any industry because what I do just applies to all of them. Yeah. And I would, I'd wonder like a year and a half into this rebranding of the podcast where it sounds like it had totally revitalized your, you know, feeling about what you were talking about, your audience and everything. Do you feel like you're still energized by that? Like you still have a lot of conversations to facilitate, whether in a solo episode or with guests, a lot to say, or do you feel constricted at this time? Like, how are you feeling about it a year and a half later? 
No, I still feel like there's so much to say because for me, it's gone beyond the three words, right? Because now it's thinking about, oh, okay. So if you have your three words, how do you get these three words to spread? What are the conversations? What are the stories you have to tell? Like, it, There's so much. And, and as business owners, we don't spend a lot of time thinking about how we're communicating. We spend a lot of time thinking about like, oh, I've got to market my stuff but we don't think about what are we saying in that marketing. And for me, that's fascinating. And I have so much to say. And I love having conversations and interviewing people and, and, and hearing their viewpoints. Like, what are they rebelling against? And what are the changes they want to create in the world? So that, for me, like just lights me up. And I'm always surprised. Like this afternoon, I'm recording some solo episodes. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got a lot to say still on all of these things. You know, I actually want to switch gears a little bit when you talk about recording your episodes. So you have a unique mix, I think, of solo episodes and interviews, and you're also a speech coach. So I feel like this is like such a thing that I've been curious about. Like your solo episodes, do you script them or do you outline them or do you just talk off the cuff? I want to know how you do them. I outline. So I'm always the type of person where I just like to have a, like a loose structure to respond to as I'm talking. So I usually have a topic that has a purpose. I'm getting more intentional, especially this year with having a little sponsorship, which is usually something that I'm sponsoring since I self-sponsor my show. And so, yes, so I'll have an outline um, with like an example that I want to use, some content that I want to give, and a takeaway for the audience and action step because I always want to make something actionable. But then it's just kind of off the cuff from there. When you talk about the audience, it's one of the things I also want to talk about is like how the, the mission that you have affects how you see your audience. And you just mentioned the takeaway. Like, do you, when you're doing your content, do you do any sort of filtering to think about like your message or your audience or like how do you decide what of your ideas go in the podcast and which ones kind of end up on the cutting floor? I find that I create the best content when I'm in this place of responding to what's going on. Like, I know this kind of sounds strange, but <laughs> I'm always looking for the trends or for conversations that I'm currently having with my clients that keep coming up. Because I'm, I'm one of those people who I'm always like seeing patterns and making connections, which is why I'm good at messaging because I'm seeing patterns and making connections for my clients that they're not able to make with their own words and content. So that is what I'm looking for when I'm creating content. And yes, I might have a theme for the month, but I'm also not afraid to drop it if I think there's something pertinent that needs to be talked about. So for instance, um, last year, I just all of a sudden decided to create this very ranty, well, it was first a blog post, but also just um, became a, po a podcast as well. And it was about um, to stop setting your money fi on fire with marketing when you don't really have a set messaging because I kept having conversations with people again and again who were investing in, you know, $10,000 year-long marketing programs or funnels or 
you know, $3,000 courses that would help them with their automated webinar system, and they didn't have a message. They didn't know what their message was. And I'm like, 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 I don't understand, like, why? And they would tell me, like, oh, I need to work with more clients before I work with you, but I'm going to go and spend 10 grand on this marketing strategy. And I'm like, okay, that makes no sense. <laughs> right. What are you marketing? Like the- <laughs> right. I know. And so for me, that felt like, oh, that's a piece of, like, that's a piece of education that needs to be out there <laughs> in the world. <laughs> like, if you don't have a message to market your stuff, then don't spend money on marketing. <laughs> like, like, if you feel like you need to work with more clients before you work on your message, then don't invest in some high-priced marketing program. That makes no sense. Um, so I do, I do a lot of, like, so I'm, I can kind of be spontaneous because if there's some pattern that I'm noticing that I keep seeing again and again, I'm like, oh, that's probably a piece of content that I need to get out into the world. So if I had something else planned, I sometimes will cut that in favor of something that I feel really needs to be said. And that's the great thing about doing a solo show. <laughs> that's what I was just about to ask you because, you know, my background is obviously in public relations and media. And I think about that all the time about how so many podcasts have a long lead time between when they record an interview to when the episode goes live. And so I was just going to ask you like how timely are the episodes? So you will slot in an episode that you think is particularly timely or relevant or needed and shift the schedule around to give yourself the space to do that. Yes. And that's, yeah. And that's, the great part of having like a nimble podcasting team and being nimble because I can just email my podcast editor and be like, hey, instead of this episode, we're going to do this one instead and just push everything back. And it's just like, oh, okay. Yeah. That is so amazing. Do you see, I don't know how closely you track and we didn't talk about this, so you might not know this, but do you see any kind of spike when in downloads or engagement when you do those topical episodes or are there episodes that you notice that people tend to want more of? How closely do you look at that? Yeah, I notice when I do more of the ranty responding episodes, anytime I rant, it seems like those always I love this more response. And and that's just I've I've noticed that throughout my career. I always say that my business got started because I went on a rant. Mm-hmm. And it just seems when I'm talking just like really just from that heartfelt truth of like what I'm seeing and what's really ticking me off and like, hey, you need to be aware of this because it's probably costing you a lot of money or time or energy and heartache. And I want you to avoid this and do try this instead or think about this in a different way. Then people seem to really respond to that. Like that is something that gets shared more, that is talked about more or get like more DMs on Instagram. So that that's, yeah, that's always fascinating to me. <laughs> yes. I think that's something that we bonded on very early in our businesses was, you know, that I used to do a lot of the messaging work too. Now I actually refer everyone to you <laughs> to do this work. And that idea of like, what are those things that fire you up are often the things that are most needed in the world, right? That people tend to self-censor in that area. And it's like, but those are the voices that people need because usually it's, you want to rant about it because it's striking a really emotional core in you, right? Yes. And so I think those are important. We shouldn't push those down and be afraid to confront it. Yes, yes, yes. I, I totally agree. And we, 
so many people just shy away from that. And I'm like, no, if you see something that's just like breaking your heart, because for me, when I kept seeing people like just literally set money on fire because (laughs) they're investing in these marketing programs they had no business investing in, I'm just like, okay, this needs to stop. If I can save one person from doing this, then it's worth it to talk about it. The last thing I really wanted to talk to you a little bit about is because of your background, helping people, you know, not just with their message, but with their speeches and things like that. I've been curious about if that made it easier or added pressure for you as you went into the podcast space. So, you know, when it comes to, or when it came to starting your podcast, maybe we'll start there. You know, did you feel like um, a lot of pressure and figuring out what your voice was? Did it feel easy and natural? Like, how was that for you with that being your professional background? I think it feels easy and natural for me because honestly, like I love to talk. (laughs) (laughs) Extrovert. (laughs) I know. I know. It's just so, even when I'm just talking to myself, like literally just talking into the mic, like it's just so easy for me to create content this way because this afternoon I have to do three episodes for the month of February and I will probably take three or four hours to batch those out, like outline them and just record them. And it's natural and it's easy for me and it's fun. And I can be a little perfectionisty with them sometimes, which, okay. which is why I can take, it should, you know, technically take me probably like two, two and a half hours to do those. And, and I have to watch out for that because I can get on myself with the filler words and some of those bugaboos. That what an editor is for. <laughs> yes. And then I realize like, okay, like that's what an editor is for. And also people like the conversational tone of the podcast. They don't want to listen to something that's super rehearsed, which is why I don't script because when I script, it sounds like it's scripted and I know that about myself. But it was really easy for me to get into the flow of it. It's like, okay, I know how to organize my thoughts because I've been doing that for years with speaking. And people love that it was short and actionable. Like they could listen to like three podcast episodes in 30 minutes and felt like they got something meaty and juicy and actionable to do while they washed their dishes. So for me, it was really easy to get into because I'd been teaching and speaking probably for 15, 20 years by the time I started podcasting. So I was like, yes, I'll be a podcaster. That makes total sense. And I also, what I love the most about podcasting is it's so, like I'm an avid podcast listener anyway, but I just love being in somebody's ears. I feel like it's so intimate that I get to be a voice in somebody's head, you know, speaking reason to them and talking business as I see it and helping them get their message into the world and build their business and make their impact in the world. And for me, there's nothing better than using my voice that way. So it was, it was a natural fit for me. (laughs) Well, I'm going to admit to you that that was a little bit of a selfish question because my background is obviously in PR and media. And 
a long time ago, years and years ago, I had a YouTube show where people would, it was called Ask a Publicist, and they would write in. I would always get these emails with questions for things I was blogging about, and I turn it into a video show where I would answer their emailed questions on a YouTube video. And I had a friend at the time, not a friend any longer, um, tell me that because I was in PR, I had to show up more polished and professional than the average YouTuber because it was expected of me. That was my background and what I did. And Michelle, it messed me up for a very long time. Oh my gosh. It really did. Um, I think that I would have gotten in podcasting sooner, honestly, if it weren't for that. I've I think like I stopped that YouTube show after a while because it just started taking so long for me to put together and I was so freaked out and self-critical. And I know that like for me, that was a piece of feedback that I'd gotten, but I do think that people do have have that in their head. You know, it's like, I'm going to start this podcast. And I think that's why I wanted to know too, like if you outline it or script it, I know people approach this very differently. Um, how they're going to be speaking in their episodes and how much prep, like, I think you could probably see that I do a lot of prep for my guests. So I listened to a bunch of your podcast episodes. I thought about what I was most curious about before I interviewed you. I kind of already knew why I wanted you on the show. And even though we've talked about some topics, like I had, you know, these are the key points I want to hit. Um, and other people really go with the flow. And I think that it is helpful hearing that perspective of like, how do people do it? And I like you saying like, this is fun for me. This is natural. And I just kind of show up and I think about that takeaway for the audience because that is the best advice I got when I did creative live. My producer helped me with this issue where I was really, it was all coming back. And he just said to me, you know, Bridget, the number one thing is that when you start getting nervous about what you have to say or how you're being received, your focus is in the wrong place. That as long as you focus on the audience and what they'll take away then you're going to be, you're going to do great. Like your heart is in the right place. That is the energy you should bring to your project. And I mean, you basically just said that same thing. You know, you're thinking about what is my audience going to get out of this? And that's what you focus on before you start. Oh my gosh. I completely agree with that because I like speaking for me, especially when I was working with speakers, speaking for me was always that. Like I put so much pressure on myself because pretty much I was demonstrating my skill every time I stepped on stage. And even though I had like 20 years of experience and, you know, thousands upon thousands of stage time hours accumulated, like getting on stage was terrible for me, which is why I didn't do it very much, frankly, when I was working with speakers because it created so much stress for me. And now it's way more fun because I get to talk about the three word rebellion and it takes so much pressure off. And I think that's why I like podcasting so much because it was way more relaxed. I could be myself. It was me and the mic and I could just talk and I just liked it more because it was just, I could be me, but it's easy to get trapped in thinking, okay, I'm demonstrating my craft. So I've got to be the best that there is at this. And the thing is, it's like you get to define what being the best is for yourself. No one else does. And just putting the focus on, yeah, like, what am I delivering to the audience here? Like, what do they need to know? Like, how can I be of service takes all the pressure off? 
Wow. Well, I cannot think of a better note to wrap an interview on than that, because I think that's a super important message. So Michelle, thank you so much for sharing with us the process behind your rebrand and that pep talk that I certainly feel like I need as I embark on this. And I know other people will. Um, If anyone listening would like to listen to Michelle's Rebel Rising podcast, you can find it at drmichellemazer.com forward slash rebel dash rising, or you can search Rebel Rising wherever you listen to podcasts. Michelle's show is just absolutely fantastic. And like she's been talking about, you'll get to hear a lot about how it is that you figure out what your message is and bring it into the world and start a movement, right? With the message that you have. And you can also go to www.3wordrebellion.com. That's the number three. So threewordrebellion.com, which gives you a little taster of the three word rebellion process. And so that's another place to check out her work. If you're feeling like, gosh, I could really use this messaging help. Michelle and I have actually hired each other, worked with each other, known each other for a long time, and I cannot recommend her process here and her work enough to you. So please do go check those out and I'll put those in the show notes. So thank you, Michelle, so very much.